Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, sometimes better known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Hit up the show on Twitter as well at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, be sure to subscribe to me on all podcasts and streaming platforms now. You can leave a comment, give us a rating, all that good stuff. Uh, so today we're going to... We're gonna get through. We're gonna get through some stuff today because there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. First and foremost, we got to update you on what's going on in the NHL. So we have one site that has now been uh, chosen, and 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 that's gonna be Vegas. And then apparently there's an update now from the Canadian government in regards to whether or not a Canadian team may have themselves an opportunity to be the other host city. So we'll get into that. And then also we have a division rival, a border city rival that are experiencing some turmoil right now. The Buffalo Sabres are an absolute tire fire right now. I tell you, it's funny because when you think about Toronto and Buffalo, we were so linked at the hip back in, was it, 2014, 2015, around when Mike Babcock was coming, and he was pretty much going to be going to, to Buffalo, and then Toronto came out of nowhere, scooped him up, and, and he became the coach for Toronto, and, you know, they've gone on to, to well, the first season didn't go too well for them, but that was expected. They ended up bottoming out and getting the first overall pick and getting Austin Matthews. It worked out, I will say so. And then after that, it's been playoff, playoffs, playoffs. So it's it's worked out pretty good for Toronto. Obviously, Babcock no longer here, but that's neither here nor there. We're not going to discuss that or dwell on that anymore. But regardless, uh, the Leafs have been a much better team, um, and their rebuild has gone by uh, a lot smoother than it did in Buffalo. Um, the Sabres, boy, oh boy, this is now going to be their third GM in four years, um, or five years, I guess. So uh, Jason Botterill fired yesterday uh, after three years on the job. So they're going to have uh, Kevin Adams will be will be taken over. And I'm going to have Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres on the show. We're going to discuss it and we're going to talk about it. Uh, he's pretty plugged in, works for WGR uh, over in Buffalo. So he's he knows what's going on down there. He's got a pretty good pulse of what's being discussed and, and the fan reaction and, and really a little bit of insider perspective uh, as a media member down in Buffalo. So we're going to get him on the show. I'm really excited to get his take on what's going on over there because Man, it's it's wacky, and and you'll if you haven't heard about it, really realistically, the owners of Pagulas they legitimately just fired like eighty percent, ninety five percent of their staff that works within the uh, within the organization, and are from the GM to the AGMs down to some to uh, to, to scouts, and it just cleaned house, and uh, it's really weird really weird but we'll get to that with joe that's going to be a good conversation but first i do want to talk about what's going on in the nhl right now because well we have a little bit of an update so since i spoke to you last week uh we do now have one team that it has been uh guaranteed they have been chosen as one of the host hub cities and that's going to be vegas so las vegas and <laughs> which is funny because we saw a video kind of cruising around about Vegas last week when they opened up officially and it was about this I don't know, this old gentleman um, who was just like drinking smoking but also had a mask on at the same time all while sitting down at his, at his slot machine and it was just a hilarious video you gotta go check it out if you haven't seen it it's absolutely phenomenal um, but yeah so it looks like we're gonna get hockey in Vegas when 
I'm going to go with when because I don't think the if is anymore. I think we we are going to get hockey, thank goodness. Um, so when it returns, we don't know if that's going to be, you know, late July, early March, or late July, early August. Still don't know the exact dates. However, um, you know, we, we are moving forward. Phase two is now underway. You got teams, uh, you got some players going to their their kind of host cities and they're training now and, and getting back on the ice so you know we we're getting closer we are getting closer and that's that's amazing uh so vegas chosen as one host city and there was a lot of speculation about whether or not a canadian team was going to be chosen to be the second home city uh vancouver edmonton and toronto were on the nhl shortlist that um commissioner gary bettman spoke about about a month ago now maybe three weeks ago and what's interesting about that is the biggest hurdle that they had to overcome was whether or not the government was going to be a little lenient and lax on this whole 14-day quarantine upon entry back into Canada. Um, and it seems like actually today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau came out and said that you know they might be willing to waive that 14-day quarantine if the NHL wanted to make a host city, a hub city, uh, here in Canada. So I think that's a good sign um, because I, I believe they probably would want to have one in Canada. I think it'd be cheaper. Just the fact that you know the Canadian dollar is a lot cheaper than the American dollar, and if you got to spend money getting hotels and and getting um, you know fixing up some facilities and and doing upgrades and stuff it's going to be cheaper to do in canada with the canadian dollar than the american dollar so the three hub cities that they're kind of discussing again vancouver edmonton and toronto for me i I really do believe in and i'm not being a homer but i think toronto makes the most sense and there's a couple of reasons for it i think one of the other reasons is that just the matter of the fact that you know the other hub city is vegas and I mean, this is still undecided, I guess. I'm just assuming. But if they're going to be the Western host, then you would think that they would try and get an Eastern Conference host to host the East uh, Eastern playoffs. So out of Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto, Toronto is the only Eastern Canadian team that was on the list. Um, there are some other names that are being thrown out there. I think um, Chicago is apparently starting to pick up some steam. They may want to host it if they don't end up going to Canada. If we, if we get a second city in the States, I think Chicago is the front runner right now um, for that. But I, I just I, I think that Toronto would be great. Like if you think about the infrastructure in the city of Toronto and you think about where where the city like the rink is located right downtown there are so many hotels right there around the rink and right there that you know these players would be able to kind of quarantine and bubble themselves there's a lot around the rink uh and it would just make sense like put them up at the royal york right across the street if you really want to i mean hey it's 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 rather expensive but it's legitimately basically right across the street from the acc or the scotia bank arena um so it's it's super close there's so many other hotels you know they could easily get you know, catered food in there and there's just so many places that they can house people not to mention that the scotia bank arena has a lot of really good facilities like toronto they're just one of the most elite hockey teams in the world. So it's pretty evident that they're going to have top-of-the-line uh, facilities, and, and, and that's what they do. Coupled with the fact that if Toronto's the host city, and this is kind of something that's 
I don't know if it's been discussed. I haven't heard anything about it. But, you know, if they're picking a host city, I'd be curious to see if all of the games will be played in one arena or if they'll be playing in arenas kind of around that area. So, you know, in Toronto, could they also go play at, at the MasterCard Center? Or they renamed it. I don't remember what they named it. but Or the Rico Center, which, again, got renamed to the Coca-Cola Coliseum. But, um, you know, there's just a lot of... There's a couple of rinks that are professional style that, you know, they play professional games. And I don't know if they have the facilities that they're they're talking about that they need. Um, but I think that it's it's possible. I think that there's potential that they could get a lot of games in in that space, right? Like in, in Toronto. So I think Toronto would be a really good option. And obviously, uh, you're not going to be able to go down and watch the games. I would be very, uh, very surprised if they end up opening up to fans at some point throughout the summer. Obviously, not right away. You know, maybe if we move into like a stage four within the country and they open it up to like 5,000 seats or something like that. And and it just becomes, you know, first come, first serve, I guess, for, for buying seats up for all the teams. But... I just I, I do think that Toronto probably is the best case scenario for any team in the East right now. Like you think about it, it's just it makes the most sense. Like Montreal, I suppose you could, but um, I just I don't know if the whole like realistically I don't know if bilingualism would maybe maybe not want a lot of those guys to have to go there. So, um. Yeah, it just makes sense to me that Toronto would be a good opportunity. Hopefully we find out soon. I think we probably will find out by next week, maybe even the week after at the the very latest. I think for whichever team decides to do it, they're going to have to probably uh, do some upgrades of some sort to, like they're going to start prepping and and getting ready for for all these teams. You're going to have to start booking hotels. They're going to have to start, you know, blocking off some some areas within the arenas and start to get the arena back up and running. Because keep in mind, people haven't been in these arenas. I mean, I'm sure maintenance crew has been keeping these things going and they haven't been you know basically they'd be condemned by now all the the ice would be melted and if it wasn't being taken care of but you know it's still not tip-top shape and they're gonna have to go in and and do some work and uh, if toronto is going to be the host city then they're probably gonna figure that out pretty soon and uh i think that would be the the first little indication that it's gonna be toronto is if people start going in and out of the scotia bank arena and and you see some contracts start to to build up to do some work in there um or you see some some big deliveries of of some testing kits or whatever being delivered down to to toronto for for that so um i think it'll 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 have to happen soon right so i'm really excited for that i think I'm just excited to get hockey back, actually. That's that's what I'm really excited for. And we're just inching ever so close to getting it back. And if we can get it in Toronto, man, that'd be fantastic. I, I, like, again, I can't go, but it's just it's just going to be nice. And, and plus, the other thing, too, is I think you would want... That was the thing that I also forgot to mention. You know, out in Vegas, you have the West Coast, you know, the time zone. So for the East... You probably want to keep it in your time zone. Even Chicago is two hours back or two hours ahead. So, like, if we're watching games, like, let's say, uh, you know, Toronto and, and Columbus, 
that game's not going to start probably, well, eh, okay, it might start because nobody's out, no one's really working. I guess if they could start it earlier, but, you know, a traditional start time, 7 o'clock um, in that time zone, we're not going to see games till 930 that just seems too late for me. So I feel like they're going to want to have it. And that's the same thing if it goes in Edmonton or Vancouver. So I think that they're going to want to try and keep it within the Eastern Standard Time. And Toronto certainly being the front runner in terms of, of time zones for there. I guess Boston maybe might be another one that they could that they could do uh, if they want to go down to Florida. They could, I suppose, do that as well um, or in New York. But Toronto, man. I think Toronto, there are just so many positive reasons as to why you should pick Toronto and I think that the fact that Justin Trudeau I think a big reason why they actually haven't announced the second one mainly is because they want to do the second one in Canada and I think they want to do it in Toronto and that was the biggest hurdle was getting that that quarantine period waived for incoming people into the country I think that was the biggest hurdle that Gary Bettman and the league wanted to get over and if Trudeau decided to waive that condition and, and allow that Allow that to happen. Allow the league to get in there and start working right away. Allow these teams to start practicing and working right away without having to to be quarantined for 14 days. I think now that we have that information, they're probably going to come out with an announcement pretty soon. Don't be surprised if it's Toronto. It just makes sense. You know, you start to kind of connect the dots, you know, and, and, and just you just connect the dots and, and it ends at Toronto. I'm telling you, it does. So, um Really excited for hockey to get back. Really excited. The thing that's going to be weird, though, for a lot of teams is they won't be playing, and they won't be playing for quite some time. And one of the teams that won't be playing for quite some time is going to be the Buffalo Sabres. Um, coming up on the other side, I'm going to have Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres, also a host for WGR in Buffalo, Buffalo radio station. Um, he's got... He's got the pulse on what's going on in that city. I was chatting with him earlier today. We recorded uh, the we recorded this part of the podcast earlier, and he was just telling me what's going on. You know, what is the next step going to be for Buffalo? Are they going to go through a third consecutive rebuild, or is it just going to be kind of a, a tinker and let's go type thing? You got to think after years and years that they're ready to to try and make a push and make the playoffs. I don't think that they've. It's been like a decade since that team has made the playoffs, and you know. Toronto went through a decade of that too, and there was so much unrest for a lot of it. I can only imagine what's going on in Buffalo. Um, it just seems like every move that was made just was wrong. So um, on the other side, I'm gonna I'm gonna tee it up real quick. We're gonna chat about, it, and then I'm gonna throw it to to Joe. But first, I do want to tell you guys about uh, this amazing, amazing website. It's called Rock Auto. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest price possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop 
shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to taillights, motor oil, and even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on on their how did you hear about us and let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano is still with you. Uh, so, like I said, we're going to be talking about what's going on in Buffalo right now because there's a lot of turmoil. Uh, <laughs> General Manager Jason Botterill fired just three weeks after being publicly assured by owner Kim Pagula that he'd keep his job for next season. Three weeks. Within three weeks, while there's no hockey, no nothing, no scouting, no nothing. Literally, there is nothing going on right now in sports. And within the three weeks, somehow the Pagulas said, you know what? Actually, Bottle's doing a bad job. Gone. Fired. Adios. Sayonara. Like, what? <laughs> it's so random. You know, I talked about it on, on the Locked On NHL podcast, the national show um, that me and Joe do together every every Tuesday or Wednesday. And, you know, at the time when Botterill got the assurance from, um, from Kim Pagula, you know, he was very much adamant that he didn't think that he deserved it. You know, in Buffalo, they're, they're very anti-Jason Botterill over there. But even he, after chatting with him today, said, I couldn't imagine how upset people would be the day that Botterill got fired. And that's not because Botterill got fired. It's because everything else that happened. You know, Botterill got fired, and then just an avalanche of firings came afterwards. Um, you know, former NHLer Kevin Adams will be taken over as the general manager. And this is kind of interesting. Like, he doesn't have any general manager experience in the NHL or in hockey really he 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 was a former assistant co- well first of all he played i believe uh, 11 seasons played i believe it was 11 seasons in the NHL um, a former assistant coach under Lindy Ruff after he retired and then he moved to the business side of things and started working for the Pagula Sports Entertainment umbrella at the nearby Harbor Center location which if you've ever been to Buffalo it's literally right in front of the building um, I can't remember what they're calling it right now. The first Niagara Center, I believe, is what it's called now. Um, and it's literally right in front of it. So I guess he was the, the manager of, of that organization, that part of Pagula Sports and Entertainment. And uh, oh, a few years go by, and I guess he's impressed enough, uh, the Pagulas, and they've decided to elevate him. Uh, switching him over from Harbor Center and moving him across the street as the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres in the NHL. Quite the leap. Quite the leap. Um, and that's kind of why people are perplexed about this. You know, it. I guess it, it could have made a little bit more sense if they would have gone out and got, uh, I guess, a more seasoned general manager or a guy who who's coined as like an up-and-comer, like maybe Judd Brackett out in Vancouver. It, you know, like that looks like that 
is not going well and and he got you know he's gonna be let go in vancouver or he may already have been um uh, but that's not gonna be he's not gonna be there much longer and you know he would be a, a, a guy who maybe buffalo should go after but no they they go out and they get you know a very inexperienced guy to be the new general manager um Look, I think there's a couple of things that this has to do with. I think money is big. Uh, they didn't want to go out and have to spend all that, especially with what's going on in the economy. You know, they do owe bottle for the next couple of seasons, and they, they just owe a lot of money to people. Um, you know, even in the NFL, they own the bills as well, and they still owe money. I believe Rex Ryan stills owed some money. Doug Whaley's owed some money. Like, there's just a bunch of guys, and they've just kind of wasted money um, on people who, who they fired or who they've moved on from. And they just don't want to do that anymore, I guess, especially with what's going on in the economy with COVID and the uncertainty of what's happening. So they want a cheaper route and they went with Kevin Adams and now he's going to be the GM. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Elliot Freeman did also report in 31 thoughts though, that the Sabres, uh, they kind of said that they're done with hockey people, like hockey people. They've gone with hockey people, quote hockey people, uh, for the last, you know, few years now, and they haven't been able to, to steer the ship. So you know, why not try something different? Go after an unconventional thinker, an unconventional person to lead your team. And that's what they're doing, Kevin Adams. They did that last year with the head coach. Remember Ralph Kruger? He was like a, like a manager for a soccer team. Like, he wasn't a hockey coach. I think he had some international, you know, he does have some international hockey play, but, um, or hockey coaching on his resume. But in the NHL, nothing. Like, he just just it was a weird bizarre you know outside of the box type hire and they've done the exact same thing now with the gm role uh it's gonna be interesting to see what they do though going forward obviously botterill he got only three years to try and turn this thing around and wasn't able to do anything um didn't make the playoffs at all so it's a big offseason for Buffalo because they have some players who are going to need some money, and they also have a, a superstar, Jack Eichel, that's absolutely fed up with what's going on over there. I can only imagine what was going through his head yesterday when he woke up to all this news. That being said, Kevin Adams did say the first phone call he made was to Jack Eichel. That's the right move. That's what you have to do because everybody knows that he is not happy with what's going on in that city. Uh, so it's, oh man, it's really an interesting, interesting tire fire. What's going over, what's going on over there. Um, but I do have a, an insider, I guess we could call him someone who's right there. He's got a good pulse for what's going on in Buffalo. You know, he's chatted with some guys. He, he, he's, uh, talking about it on, on his show, Locked On Sabres. He's talking about it on WGR 650. You know, it's the talk of the town right now. What's going on in Buffalo. It's really a talk of, of the NHL, talk of the hockey world, because it's so unprecedented what is going on right now. And it's just such a weird time for all this to happen. But let me welcome to the show Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres, also WGR650 in Buffalo Radio. Joe, walk me through what happened yesterday. It was definitely a wild day. I woke up to the news, or actually I, I was already getting going a little bit. Uh, I think it was about 10 a.m. on Tuesday that it, the Sabres announced themselves on Twitter that they had relieved Jason Bottrell of his duties and replaced him with Kevin Adams. And right off the bat, I'm like, whoa, that just happened? Like, no, yeah. out, of, out, of, out of nowhere. Because, of course, and this has been talked about a lot here in Buffalo in the past 24 hours, three weeks ago, 
Sabres owner Kim Pagula did a story with the Associated Press that and had it put out there that Jason Bottrell is staying as the GM and like comments made such as we think that there are things behind the scenes that fans don't see that make us think that he is still able to do this job and we know it's not a popular thing to do but she basically came out in full defense of keeping Jason Bottrell on as the general manager and then three weeks go by and suddenly he's out of a job like that that to me was a strange one and the guy going in to replace him in Kevin Adams, who I, I have had run-ins with uh, on several occasions, and he has worked in several different jobs under the Pagulas, starting back as an assistant head coach under Lindy Ruff the last time the Sabres made the playoffs nine years ago, and then serving uh, in leading roles at Harbor Center, downtown Buffalo, and the Academy of Hockey, uh, and then serving in a business role, the senior VP of business administration, for the Sabres this past year, he jumps over from the business end of things now to being the general manager in the hockey department. And that was a weird one because again, I do believe he's a very sharp guy and Hey, it could work out, but it's a strange hire. It's a strange leap from senior VP of business administration to, Oh, you, despite the fact you have no major experience working in any hockey department, uh, making roster decisions, you weren't an assistant GM, you weren't even a pro scout, like assistant coach is really the highest, uh, highest hockey job this guy has had since the end of his playing career with the Hurricanes uh, over a decade ago. It's, 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 a, it's a big leap. It's a strange leap. And yesterday, like that was basically how yesterday began and then like who could have imagined like it's unprecedented have you ever seen like the the amount of firings that have happened in one day like it feels like no. there's nobody left other than kevin adams and ralph Kruger. yeah it's super weird and you know ralph Kruger, you'd have to assume is is going to stick on and stay on as head coach yep. um which is which is fine but it's just it's mm. it's honestly i've never seen anything like it and you know, I, I couldn't even imagine being in like Buffalo media at the time and having to cover this day yeah. by day, trying to get out all the information as as it starts to leak out and try and think like, hey, like, is this true? Is this true? More firings? Like what? Like it must have been yeah. crazy. Like so, what's what's the temperature like in Buffalo about all of this? Like other than the fact that it's just kind of unprecedented. Like, does this seem like a good move to, you know, Buffalo or is this like, okay, here we go again. Another rebuild. What are the Pagulas doing? This is just going to set us back even more. What's, what's the the read on the situation? It's it's funny because I would have told you uh, a month ago or two months ago, whenever we would have had this conversation that if I would have told you the day the Sabres fired Jason Bottrell, the fan base, is going to feel more hopeful for it that the majority of the fan base does not believe that he should have been serving as GM when Kim Pagula came out three weeks ago defending him sticking on as GM like fans were hot like they were not happy with that decision and that can go back to the Ryan O'Reilly trade that can go back to most if not all of the fan base wants to see a trade made from Rasmus Ristolainen or Brandon Montour and getting a center or a forward back in exchange um, the drafting has not gone well in three years. The only player that's cracked the NHL is Rasmus Dahlin, which to be fair, I, I'm, 
my grandma who knows nothing about hockey could have made that pick. Um, so to me, it's, it's hot. It's hard for them to do what they did. They did the thing fans wanted and basically also just demoralized the entire fan base in the day that it happened. And that's because all of these other firings, they gutted the entirety of the hockey department. There are basically no scouts left. There are no assistant general managers. Weird that even in this, this Zoom call that Terry and Kim Pagula, the owners, as well as Kevin Adams, the new GM, and also head coach Ralph Kruger did yesterday for about 40 42, 43 minutes, and I'm going to get back to that time in a, in a second, that time frame, because it's interesting. Uh, in the course of that, Kim Pagula said she's open to having assistant general managers. And even that, like, that quote is so weird. Like, you're open what? to it. Like, isn't that a gimme? Like, everybody has assistant GMs. People have had assistant GMs going back to the 20s, probably, or to the dawn of hockey, uh, or when there were GMs. So, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. I do believe that a lot of it is money driven. A lot of when a lot of this was happening yesterday, not necessarily Botro, but the rest of it. Um, I began to think more and more, as most did, I think, covering the team that all right, they don't have anything to do basically for six months. Like the Sabers, being one of these seven teams that are right. not in the 2014 tournament, they're probably not playing a hockey game again until January. And now there's talk of the NHL draft being pushed back to the fall. So you've got what three, f- at least f- three or four months until then. Who the hell knows when free agency is going to happen? That'll probably be thrown in between the end of this 2014 tournament and when they would play again in January. So essentially, the Sabres don't have anything to really do for a long time here. So part of me thinks that this is similar to you know some of the layoffs and the furloughs that you see in other organizations and other companies right now in this COVID world that, hey, if this is basically just depleting your workforce until things get back to normal, hopefully until things get back to normal. So I guess the, the, the hope would be that as we approach the NHL draft, which let's assume for sake of conversation, it's in October. As you get closer to October, maybe in September, they start to hire more, hire some of the scouts back or hire different scouts to the same roles and then hire the assistant GMs. Cause I can't, I just can't imagine that they will really go into a draft or they will go into a free agency period or anything with basically two people in their entire hockey department. Cause right now it is Ralph Kruger and it is Kevin Adams. And I know Ralph Kruger has executive experience in other sports and also in the Olympics. Um, but like, there's no way that's enough. Like you would know it in Toronto. Toronto's got like an army of, they got the president of hockey ops with Shanahan. They got the GM and Dubas. They've got assistant GMs. They've got scouts. They've got the biggest analytics department in the NHL. Like you need more than two guys just for fun. Like let's put it, let's put our GM hats on. If you were Kevin Adams and you were just given this roster, given this team, uh, you know, their state, you know that you have an absolute star in Jack Eichel, who's, kind of getting fed up with with the way that things have been going and and losing and all that how do you go about making this team better like what's the route that you take do you kind of do you tinker with things do you do a big overhaul do you do you uh kind of get back into rebuild mode for a couple of years what are you doing if given the gm job yesterday it's a good question because it's not an easy one and like i don't envy kevin adams right now especially since he's 
kind of on an island by himself having to figure out the answer to that question. Um, Kim Pagula said yesterday that this is not a rebuild and basically that they are going to go forward trying to win hockey games. And I understand that because we just talked about auditioning for Eichel. Uh, You can't go into a, you cannot go into a rebuild right now. Like you just can't afford to do it when you have star players that are unhappy with how, how bad you've been. So what do you do? To me, the only answer to that question is you take two of your valuable blue liners right now and Brandon Montour and Rasmus Ristolainen. And if I were the GM, I would try to find a trade for both of them. I think that you are strong on the right side of your blue line. Henry Yoki Haru, to me, is one of the most valuable players in the organization. Uh, former first-round pick of the Blackhawks. Had a great season last year for the Sabres and is only 21 years old. Um, you've got Darlene in the mix. You've got Colin Miller, who is a good depth defenseman on the right side as well. They have defense prospects coming up. Uh, Will Borgen, Casey Fitzgerald, um, there's a couple of other guys playing overseas, a scary laxin right now. And they're like all on the right side. So it's funny. Like they have so much depth there, not just in the NHL, but organizationally in the prospect system that I'm ready for them to take those two defensemen who to me should have, should have value in the league. Montour got traded to the Sabres for a first and a prospect. Um, I don't need you to get the exact same price, but, to me, that tells me he has some value in the league, and I can't believe Ristolainen doesn't either. But those two players, and I don't want to, I don't want to rely too much on analytics for this because if you do, if you go for straight analytics, they will tell you that Ristolainen is an awful defenseman, and I don't think he's a terrible, an awful defenseman. I do think that why his numbers look so bad in seven years is matchup based and the fact that he's been improperly used. Uh, throughout his career. He's been a 24, 25 minute a night defenseman for his career. Ideally to me, he's more of an 18 to 20 minute guy, which is what that's like your fourth defenseman as a, yeah. your fourth defenseman. I think he, he does a great job. I think with, you know, easier matchups with uh, a little bit of protected minutes, offensive zone entry starts. Um, I think Ristolainen is a guy that can be productive, but I've, I've almost given up on them ever getting around to that. I, it's, it's been seven years, and we've been saying the same thing, that that needs to happen, that needs to happen. And even last year, when they had a better and deeper blue line, they didn't get to it. So what would I do? I would trade those two guys and just try to flip them for forwards. Uh, anything that could help me right now, whether that be down the middle or even on the wing. They, they need scoring up front, and they have the depth on the blue line to me to make up for those guys being out of the mix. So... Winnipeg is always the team we, that we talk about around here as a team that makes sense for that. But to this point, a trade hasn't happened. I guess here's the hoping that Kevin Adams would be uh, more willing to pull the trigger on some deals than Jason Bottrell. And uh, I would say that would have been one of Bottrell's criticisms was that he was not he didn't have that killer instinct to pull the trigger on trades that were on the table, basically. Um. Just taking a look at the roster here to see if there really is much that they can, much else that they can do. Like, there's quite a bit of money coming off the books this season too. Like, Wayne Simmons going to yep. be off the books. Uh, that Froelich trade, which didn't turn out to do anything. Froelich's coming off the yep. books. Uh, Reinhardt's got to get paid. Yeah, uh, Reinhardt, that- Reinhardt, Montour, and Olafson all have to get paid. Yeah, they all got to get paid. So that's going to be an interesting process to see. You know especially Reinhardt because he's kind of he was the start of this new rebuild for you guys back in was he drafted 2014 2014 um so he was that was kind of their their rock bottom I think uh for for the Sabres when they ended up 
finishing, I think, last in the league. But then uh, Florida ended up winning the lottery, and then it ended up taking Sam Reinhart. Leon Dreisaitl will want to pick later, but we won't yeah. talk about that just because I don't <laughs> want to throw salt in the wound there for you. But, um, you know, Reinhardt, something's got to be going through his mind too, right? Like, I know he was getting a little salty with the media last year after losing. Um, I think it was what Mike, Mike Harrington is is the reporter yep. who last year kind of got under his skin a little bit, and he he came out with, with an outburst. Um, so, you know, even guys who are going to need contracts this year – I don't see them doing any type of team-friendly deals or any long-term deals because, I mean, depending on how this goes, you might not want to be there long-term. So I don't know if a guy like right. Reinhardt, even if he comes to the table, is going to be looking for a five-, six-, seven-year deal. He might just be looking, look, give me a one- or two-year bridge, get me to free agency, and then I'm out of here. Yeah, you're right. Like, we spend so much time – uh, talking about and thinking about like what Jack Eichel uh, will want to do long term that we don't often think about guys that are below him on the roster. Um, and Reinhardt is certainly one of them. Like, yeah, would he want to stick around for this? Will Montour, who's got to get paid, want to stick around for this? Uh, will, um, you know, who, who's the who's the guy I was just about to bring up? Ristolainen, who has been very vocal. Uh, and even though I think he should be traded, He's been very vocal about basically he would love a change of scenery. Um, he's never outright demanded a trade. He's never outright said he wants to be traded, but he has sound very depressed two years in a row. Uh, and the fact that Ristolainen has been in the league for seven years and like he's been here longer than Eichel when he's been going through this. So yeah, Reinhardt is interesting. I think you're right. I think that a shorter term contract makes sense. Um, he is 24 and I think that it might be good for both parties because if you give him a two-year deal and a big cap hit, then maybe Reinhardt, he'll then have the flexibility to wonder if he wants to uh, hit free agency and get a change of scenery. The Sabres in the same time, if they want to blow things up at some point, then having Reinhardt on a shorter-term contract to me is easier to trade. You just signed Jeff Skinner to an eight-year contract, and I, I think that – I think that that is going to go better than it did last year, but it's still an untradeable contract. And how many untradeable contracts do you really want to have? If you go pay Reinhardt eight to $9 million, which like people think that's a lot for Sam Reinhardt. And I agree with them, but I think that's what he would get on a long-term deal. How could you defend? How could Reinhardt not ask for that when Jeff Skinner just got 9 million? If I'm yeah. Reinhardt, I'm walking into that office and I'm being like, you just gave Jeff Skinner 9 million bucks a year. I've been here through it all, and I've been a more productive player, and I'm a younger player than him. You're giving me the same $9 million at least. So he's going to be expensive, I think. Um, I'm not – I'm not $9 million? I, I really do, man. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I Like, he's an RFA, so he doesn't really have a leg to stand on, to be honest with you, when it comes to – to demanding massive contracts, right? Like Jeff Skinner had that threat of leaving for That's free true. agency. That's true. But Sam maybe Reiner is, doesn't have maybe, that. I think this is probably where your shorter term uh, idea comes into fruition. Yeah. Uh, and becomes more likely. All right. That was a good chat. Thanks a lot, Joe, for, uh, for doing that with us. Uh, we did that conversation earlier today and I thought it'd be a really good one to kind of share with you guys. We did that over on the locked on NHL podcast. Uh, so you can go check it out and check out the full interview. I did take out like a big chunk there just cause it was really long, uh, where we talked about kind of Jack Eichel's feelings about all this. And basically to sum it up, he's probably not happy. <laughs> like basically what we said was 
This is a guy who's grown up doing nothing but winning, and since he got to the NHL, he's been doing nothing but losing, and he's voiced his frustration about it. So he's probably not too happy with what's been going on in Buffalo, really, since he got drafted. So uh, that basically sums up the part that, we, like, the 10-minute part that we cut out, uh, that I cut out of it. Um all right, that's going to do it for us here today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want some more NHL hockey talk, again, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast. I'll be back with another show later this week. Until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.